0: You're, You're unbelievable. unbelievable. What's up, everybody? That was uh, that was we were going. We weren't just practicing. <laughs> that was real. That happened. Welcome to the podcast, the Command Zone podcast, to be specific. You are watching slash listening, maybe on YouTube, maybe in your podcast app. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee kwai And if you didn't get the thingy, the gist, the memo, it's untime. Yes, it is
1: un. What are we calling it? Uncelebration. Un-
0: Uncelebration. It's an unholiday season.
1: So, silver-bordered cards are legal until January 15th. You know, this has created an interesting thing where a lot of people want to play the silver-bordered cards, especially the unstable cards. Yes, because um, there are
0: some cards that are great commanders.
1: But we don't have a lot of our regular tools available to us like EDHREC. Yeah, Donald. So, Donald Miner went on Reddit and Twitter and some other places and, and basically said, like, he wanted to put the the stuff into EDHREC, but there's not really an easy and fast way to do it. There's not a lot of data out there like there is for regular commanders. Right. And by the time he figured it all out, it probably would be too late and they wouldn't be legal anymore, just for a lot of reasons, and it totally makes sense. Like, I'm not on Donald's case at all. I, I Yeah. Also, I would do exactly what he's doing. But... He has,
0: what, like three weeks yeah, to exactly. compile data?
1: And then it will only be used for two weeks, and then it'll be gone. So basically... All this new craziness with silver bordered cards and commander is just not represented well online at the moment. And that gives us an opportunity because we're kind of in this exciting space where there it's it's tough to net deck this stuff.
0: Yeah. An opportunity, if you want to <laughs> pronounce it incorrectly. <laughs> um, yeah. EDH draws from every existing database that it can to compile data and do all the statistical stuff. And right now, like I would I don't know, there's probably like 50 people that have made decks untapped out, I would assume, that for these cards.
1: Yeah, there's not that I many. There might be more now, and maybe Donald, he said that if the, there there was an easy way, he would do it. So he could prove us wrong and change yeah. his mind. But at the moment, there's just not a lot of information. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Baron Von Count, Grisilda, and X. X. We can't talk about all the new legendaries. Um, and we're going to not do full deck texts on them, but Jimmy and I sort of separately wrote down our own ideas about what would be good maybe in these decks just stuff that came to our mind i actually uh used what i call the brain trust on twitter and asked a bunch of people there and just throw out some ideas and have a discussion about how the direction we might take these decks but first before we get into all that we need to talk about our awesome sponsors
0: that's right card kingdom what
1: Oh, I was going to say those cards, Baron Von Count, oh, yeah. Silda X. Like, if you want to get a hold of them, especially after this episode and build those decks, best place to go
0: it is cardkingdom.com/slash command zone. You can also get foil versions of them, which is what I would be buying if I was going to build this command Of course you would. Even <laughs> if it's only legal till January 15th. I would
1: assume that the foils and stuff are not super expensive because Unstable is no. just not like you can't use those cards anywhere else. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking they're probably pretty cheap. You know, Unstable's also. A ton of fun to draft. If you haven't watched the new Game Nights where we drafted with Mark Rosewater, you should check it out. Also drafted with a bunch of people uh, recently. Yeah. I got to Ultimate Urza. Really? That was
0: sweet. Oh my gosh. What'd you you get?
1: I got the Ral uh, flip five coins (laughs) and get as many extra turns as as come up heads. By the way, I only got one extra turn on that. Wow. But I still won on that extra turn, so it was fine. that's nice. I Um, mean,
0: usually when you Ultimate the Planeswalk, you're about to win anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if you use that affiliate link, again, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Unstable products. There's holiday gifts you want to buy for family and friends. Uh, Iconic Masters, which is another great draft set and has a bunch of Commander stuff, is still out. So we'd encourage you to support the show and game nights by using that affiliate link.
0: Our other sponsor for the show is Ultra Pro. Ultra Pro obviously makes a ton of Magic the Gathering equipment, including playmats, dice, sleeves, and everything else around the sun for your Urza Planeswalker card. Uh, they recently did a ton of stuff for Iconic Masters, as well as some playmats for Unstable. So, you know, if you're anywhere in the world at an LGS or maybe a Card Kingdom, go ahead and buy some multiple products to also support the show.
1: You know, we've had some people tweeting at us the Wayne England, Uh um, the sketch that he did for Very Crypto Command, some of the stuff that they've been buying. And again, all those proceeds do go towards uh, the British Heart Foundation. So that's a good way to sort of share in the holiday spirit, if you will. Yes, get back. And the final way to support our show is directly at patreon.com slash Command Zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Scott, Scott Paris. Paris. Scott.
0: Cool last name. You rock. Very, very rock. All right, let's move right into it. Unstable legends. So, there obviously are a lot of legends to pick from. For some reason, there are a bunch of Rakdos ones. There's like, I think yeah, three there's like over three. the rest. Yeah. Because
1: Big Idea, Grisilda, and oh gosh, there's one more. I think. Baron von Kahn. Baron von <laughs> oh, They just. Uh, Rakdos loves Unstable, I guess. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, we chose these three. Sorry, we couldn't, again, do them all. It would be like a 16-hour long show. And this will probably be our only <laughs> show on the silver bordered cards, again, because they are only legal for, uh, at this point, one more month. Yeah, half so, a month, yeah. So, um, I, I did something, and I we didn't talk about this. So, the only thing Jimmy and I said was, these are the three we're going to do. Write down what you think would be cool, what interactions you come up with, and we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. I sort of stayed away from other silver bordered cards. Me too. Besides... the commander itself
0: yeah i kind of wanted the deck to work with another commander should you know if you do end up building this should you switch it you're not like completely gutting yourself i actually was thinking that if i ever built a deck
1: i could probably convince people to allow me to play it if i just show them the one card right that's the commander i'm gonna play baron von count Mm -hmm. is that okay but if they're like Well, I don't know what other silver border cards you have in the 99. That makes it a lot tougher sell post. And I'm talking about after January 15th. And listen, the realist, the, the, the true story here is that if you spend all the time building a deck I don't want to just play it for four weeks.
0: Yeah, I would like for it to be usable afterwards. And maybe, I think a lot of play groups will slowly see this start to filter in, being like, oh, yeah, everyone's got like, you know, three of the players in our six-player group have unstable decks. Yeah. Or, oh, sorry, silver border decks.
1: Yeah, and again, I would be okay with the statement from the rules committee that, like, all the legendary creatures from Unstable are legal as your commander, except Spike.
0: Yeah, except spike.
1: And we know there's rule 13, but that just throws, which says that you have to sort of talk to your play group to determine how like the wish cycle cards or cards that refer to...
0: A sideboard.
1: A sideboard or getting cards out of the game work. But, you know, that's just... You don't want to have that conversation constantly. I think it's just easier to just say no spike. But I think all the rest are probably fine. And yeah.
0: and we covered it in last... To, uh, the episode two weeks ago sorry 188
1: yeah sorry. so i would hope if i built one of these decks that i would at least sometimes be able to play it and maybe sometimes i bring it out and people are like eh, and they're like okay i'll play a regular yeah. commander deck but i think most of the time people would be cool so that's why yeah i'm glad you went with the same thing where we're we're not going to talk about the other interactions with silver border cards within the 99 because our hope i think is that you'd be able to build this deck and have some expectation of being able to play it often in a normal play group And I think none of this, at least, that we're going to talk about today that I came up with seems super broken. I mean, I don't know about you.
0: No, nothing seems that broken because I don't think the commanders outside of Spike are insanely broken. They definitely mess with the game a lot. I think X most of all. Um, But it's not...
1: Uh, we'll talk about it when we get to X, yeah, but we'll it's not that bit much bit crazier than send triplets or something. In fact, in fact I Very think it's true. probably less crazy than send triplets.
0: Well, let's start talking about the commanders then.
1: All right, let's start with Baron Von Count.
0: Big shout out to Jesper Ising.
1: Yeah, who, uh, who is the artist. It's card's awesome. Uh, yeah, you want to read
0: it? Yeah, so it's one a black and a red for a legendary creature human villain. He's a 3-3. Three, three. So three mana for a 3-3. Three, three. Off to a good start. Baron Von Count enters the battlefield with a doom counter on five. Whenever you cast a spell with the indicated numeral in its mana cost, text box, power, or toughness, move the doom counter one numeral to the left. When the doom counter moves from one, that's the number one to zero, destroy target player and put that doom counter on five. So to describe how this works... Baron Von Count comes out, there's a new counter that's created that says Doom on it, and it goes from five to zero, or five to one, sorry. Mm-hmm. And whenever you cast a spell, remember cast, not cheat into play, not from a graveyard, not from the top of your deck, and it has the number five in it, anywhere. The number five, the numeral, so it can't say F-I-V-E. It can't say the word five, yeah. But it can be in the
1: casting cost, it can be in the power toughness, it can be in the rules text, or anywhere in the text box, basically. It can be in the flavor text.
0: Yep. Uh, And if you do that, then it says, oh, I I checked the card. It says five in it. Great. Now the Doom Counter is at four. And if you're able to cast four more spells and get that all the way to zero, you destroy a player.
1: Yeah. You cast something that that has the number five. Then it has to have the number four. Then it has to have the number three, two, then one. Destroy target player. Which I
0: believe is something that Mara has wanted to do for a while uh, because I don't think there are any cards that just say destroy target player. Um, And I know that... Yeah,
1: there are you win the game cards. There's yeah. like Etherflex Reservoir, which just deals 50 damage to somebody but doesn't technically destroy target player. Right. Um, interesting. This card is well, I want to I want to talk about one interaction that I actually asked Eli Shifrin, who's the rules manager at Wizards of the Coast about um, and it's proliferate mechanic. Pro- right. Proliferate does not interact in any way with the doom counters. So
0: Yeah, that would be a little too broken if that was the case. Yeah,
1: so the doom counters aren't actually counters in that way. They're more of a way to keep track of what number you're on. It's kind of weird. I forget exactly how Eli stated it, but the long and well, short of it right. is you can't proliferate the doom counters.
0: Yeah, if you read the text, it says with a doom counter on five. So it's almost as though it's its own dice. Yeah. It's a five-sided dice that says five on it. That would be a very ugly dice. I don't think it actually can it exist. Who knows? Imagine as the Pentagon. <laughs> can five, I'm sure as
1: five-sided dice can can exist, but yeah. Um, okay, so what's the first thing you think of, like the first card or the first, you know, I don't know, anything you think of when you saw Baron Von Count?
0: I think the most important thing is that you should never make your deck so that you only have cards that have one of the five numbers. You should always have cards in your deck that that satisfy, at, at bare minimum, three out of the five numbers. So as in, let's say you have a card like... Archfiend of Ifnir, I think, is the perfect card for a deck like this because it's a good card, and it also has every single number on it. So Archfiend of Ifnir, if you read it, its casting cost is three black black, so that's number three. three. It's a creature demon that says, flying whenever you cycle or discard another card, put a minus one, minus one counter on each creature your opponent's control. Now you got a one and a three. And then its cycling cost is two. So one, two, and three. And then its power and toughness is a five, four. There's your five and there's your so, four. I think so you any place along the way, it doesn't yeah.
1: matter where your doom counter is at, if you cast Archfiend of Ifnir, it's going to progress it to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really important part of this commander is to sort of stack your deck with as many cards that hit multiple points on the doom counter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because otherwise you could get stuck. Yeah. You don't ever want to be at a point where it's like, oh, man, I just need a three, and I don't have one.
0: Right. And you're you are know hoping to draw one. You don't yeah. want to tutor for it. You know, I mean, Demonic Tutor is great because it's one in the black, which means you kill a player and then also get, you know, the best card out of your deck to hopefully restart the restart cycle. Restart it or something. Yeah. yeah. So there are some exceptions, obviously.
1: So Archfiend is a good one that has uh, all the numbers on it. Um, Staff of Domination yep. also has all of them. It's cheap, too. It only costs three to cast. mm mm-hmm. um, Chandra, Torture Defiance is another one that has all oh, the numbers. Right. Yeah, Planeswalkers yeah, yeah. I think are often gonna have multiple of the numbers just because they have that plus minus ultimate, um, although ultimates are usually too high. But um I think there's certain mechanics that have
0: yeah leveling up creatures are yes. really good um now obviously not all of the level up creatures are great but like narcana cutthroat pretty sure it's got one two three four and five because it says level one to two and then like it becomes a four three and then level three plus it becomes a five four and it costs two in the black so like if you can find the right level up cards you can 100 percent make a really really sweet
1: <laughs> yeah gruel draws assassin yeah that's that's one. probably the best because uh, it's terms cheap. Of a cheese one yeah cheap. yeah and it has a lot of the numbers on it um Level up. Even what's the uh, brimstone mage? I think is another one. It's just, I think you know, level up. Any 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 mechanic that just naturally includes a bunch of numbers and level up has numbers on the left side of the card. Yeah. Numbers on the right side of the card it has a power and Has a Cassie cost. A lot of times the it makes them have abilities that have numbers like level yeah. up is a really good one
0: there's also a lot of morph megamorph monstrosity creatures that essentially have alternative at casting costs on them uh so instance it'll have a casting cost up top and they'll say you can also morph this for three and do this for two black black or whatever oh and
1: megamorph says you put two plus one plus one, one counters is, yeah. so yeah that's interesting
0: yeah so megamorph is really good with this um here's the thing, though. You're actively weakening your deck every time you do this because then you lose a little bit of synergy with what you're trying to do which is hopefully go off and make enough mana so that you can kill someone in one turn i think if you ever get the doom counter below three and you pass the turn you will indisputably be the target at the deck at the table oh yeah
1: nobody's letting baron von doom at least sit there with you know doom counter at three going back to your turn yeah you know unless you're they're very sure you're not going to kill them i guess
0: yeah i think the political game with baron von count is pretty funny because if you do secure like i think the best way to play baron von count is have a vidalkan or flash him out yes. before the the end of uh, right before your turn starts and then have all the mana doublers in black and you really really want them because you you need to essentially cast five spells if you want to do this in a single turn yeah and that is not easy now you do have cards like the gold draws assassin which is only one to cast but at the same time you want to you know you're going to be th- emptying your hand at the same time. You need to be drawing cards at the same time. So there's a lot of things that need to be in place for you to really effectively use this card.
1: Yeah, I think five is the important number, and I think you want instance or instant speed stuff as much as possible because it's going to be very hard to sort of go off all in the same turn. You're going to need a mm-hmm. ton of mana. So let's say you cast Baron Von Count, and then it gets back around to your turn. Like you said, you don't want to just count, move the Doom Counter twice and then go go. Yeah. Cuz no one's going to allow that, right? So you need to sort of like do nothing past turn then at the end of the turn before your turn you do it, move the doom counter three, untap, finish it off, destroy right. someone. I think being explosive like that is kind of super important. Somebody uh, on Twitter alt color said that dash was a really good
0: mechanic. Oh, dash. Yeah. Because if you alternate cast, casting cost. It's
1: an alternate cast cost, but not just that it it moves the um creature back to your hand at the end of the turn so if it has more than oh, one
0: yeah you can just play it you can again. play it
1: again so vault breaker was a good one it's three and a red for a four two uh whenever it attacks you can discard a card if you do draw a card but it has dash for two and a red so you can play it it doesn't do five but it does uh two, two three, three or four. four yeah and then it goes back to your hand so that you can cast it again and it can so if it did four for you then you cast it again
0: hmm. and it does three um that's pretty smart you know that's it's interesting because red and black aren't necessarily card advantage card. So this actually helps you draw a card, maybe do some damage at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, Warbringers, another one with dash. I thought that was a really smart one. Um, buyback was a mechanic. Uh, not complete weeb on Twitter. Uh, had Only a partial weeb? Yeah, <laughs> not complete, just partial. So Lab Rats, Shattering Pulse was another one that uh, this person suggested.
0: Right. So yeah. you can just always get the spell back.
1: And the buyback counts as... The, one of the numbers, yeah. so you also can cast it more than once to get it. Um, uh, being able to use a card in your hand and then still have it in your hand to get a number, no, another number off the doom counter, I think could be really important because it'd be mm-hmm. very easy to like destroy one player but have no cards left now because I played a bunch of sort of let's be honest, bad cards. Yeah, and I used them. So now how am I drawing more cards to do it again? Like, I need at least 10 cards
0: mm-hmm. to destroy two people, right? Not to mention you're in black, and the yeah. way that black draws cards is losing life. And you're playing Baron Von Count, everyone will want to murder you. Yeah. So. Um, evoke so, was another mm-hmm.
1: mechanic I thought was really good. I think Shriekma yeah, is Shriek a really mod good is my It has you four do, out of five. And you do technically cast it when you evoke it. Yep. So I think... You know, the big numbers, five is the big number. You need efficient ways to cast the number five.
0: Yeah, you never want it in your casting cost, honestly. You'd rather have it in the power and toughness or even randomly in the flavor text.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, no. Tamio's journal was one somebody pointed out where on Tamio's journal there are different versions of the flavor text. Oh, right. So each with a different, no- yeah, yeah, because she's got different journal entries, right? So it'll be like blah 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 journal entry six three four, but there's one that's five four three. Oh, really? Or something like <laughs> that. And so it now becomes important, like which version of Tamio's journal is in. That's the deck. pretty cool. Um, but again, I think five. If you can find enough ways to sort of move the Doom Counter from five for less than uh, three mana. So one or two mana, Mm -hmm. I think you're well on your way. Because there's a lot of ways for four, three, two, and one to only cost you like one mana. Yeah. And then I think it's really easy maybe at six mana to just play four things or five things.
0: I mean, having cantrips in this kind of deck, having cards that replace themselves are really important. Being in red and black is just tough because you don't have traditionally much card advantage. So you're going to really want to use every resource at your disposal. And uh, even cards like Oblivion Stone, that are just very good cards on their own, say three, four, five on it. And at the very least, if things are going awry, you can at least control the board in that way. So I think you have to play a bit more of a controlly deck.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a really smart thing you've said. And I think a lot of the suggestions that people have online for cards in this deck are like cards that only work good with your Doom Counter. Mm -hmm. But if you're playing a bunch of Gruul Jaws Assassins and, you know, Narcana Cutthroats, you're just going to get killed. (laughs) <laughs> Your cards have to still be good commander cards. yeah. So that's going to be the balancing act, I think, of a deck like this, is making sure that you don't go so far towards oh, yeah, I'm so clever. All my cards hit four numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're all just really bad cards. You're going to need cards that are actually good in Commander still. Yeah. And that's going to be the balance. Maybe you have to give up, like, oh, some of my cards only have two numbers on them, but they're just really good cards. And you Yeah, know, like
0: Swiftfoot Boots, for instance. Yeah. You need to play that card, even though it only has two numbers on them, because you have to protect your Commander. It's just way too powerful. Um, I would even play cards like Gaunti, Lord of Luxury, so, because it gives you card advantage. It's a value and it card. may also give you something that your deck desperately wants. If I know that you have extra turn cards in your deck, I'm targeting you immediately because that's right. like an instant win if I can get one extra turn because you're not really able to do that in black and red.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then Dave Innistrad on Twitter pointed out a really good card that will have to be in the deck, which is Trionic Resonator. So oh, yeah. when you finally <laughs> do cast that one uh, that that spell that has a one in it, and you get to destroy target player. You can activate Strionic Resonator and destroy two target players.
0: Hey, not bad. And
1: Strionic Resonator can be your two two on the scale, so you can actually play it in the turn that you activate it. You know, play Strionic Resonator. Play I don't know something that with a one in it. And I wonder if the the copy one the and
0: four and M fourteen count. I don't think it does, but because it says M fourteen as yeah, the set, it doesn't. On I don't, it. It. I don't <laughs> think it says like that line. What's that line called? The i don't know set symbol or set whatever. symbol yeah that'd, be, that'd awesome. be that would be amazing because then m15 and 13 and 12 they're all amazing <laughs> so cards much better yeah and it's like any <laughs> card from the uh, core sets
1: that's pretty funny um, um all right yeah a pretty cool a pretty cool one though I, yeah I, I like that commander i don't think it'll be overpowered it seems very easy to stop right it, yeah
0: it's called pa- instant speed removal yeah a board wipe yeah exactly and you can really mess somebody up because they
1: can go like Five, four, okay, instant speed removal it. And now yeah. you need
0: another five and another
1: four. It's just like, that's the one. You also have, to, you have to recast, recast it, oh, yeah. it's just bad. It's just yeah. like,
0: oh, cool. How is it wasting two of your cards for this weird effect?
1: It seems super, super glass cannony
0: Yeah. Look, if it was Grixis, though, I'd build this in an instant because you just put in every extra turn card you can. I mean, you've got some red ones, right? Like the yeah, final fortunes fi- and Here's stuff. the thing. If you can kill someone with a final fortune, that would be amazing.
1: I mean, you might be able to. At least once somebody's already dead. Yeah. Then Final Fortune becomes really good. There's
0: also Glorious End, which is a, oh, yeah. I, think, I think you would, you would is, want is to play good. cards like that yeah. that's for sure. Oh,
1: Glorious End's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, the next legendary creature we're going to talk about. It's
0: X. Go and give it to you.
1: X, go and give it to you. Oh, I need to look up X here really quick. Um,
0: I got X. X is
1: hard to look up because you put in X yeah, and you just gather get and you get a, a thousand million cards, things. So. Yeah.
0: It was also very hard to just look up X in on my computer because i was like okay cool well i can't find it here because there's way too many okay. you know what i can i can find it i'm by just going gonna to go to and then uh here i got it oh you got it yeah x perfect good card okay it's blue and the black it's like baby send triplets yeah it's a 2-2 legendary creature human spy this is gonna be a lot of text here right <laughs> as long as x is in x's owner's opponent's hand x's owner may cast x and activate x's abilities that opponent can't cast X and plays with his or her hand revealed. Okay, let's just talk about that real fast.
1: Once you get X into somebody's hand, like let's say I, I'm playing X and I there's an ability that you activate and it puts X into Jimmy's hand. Oh. So Jimmy now has X in his hand, but it's mine. I'm the owner. He can't cast it. He has to play with his hand revealed and I get to activate X's ability still, even though he's not on the battlefield, he's in Jimmy's hand.
0: And you can cast it from their hand. Yeah, well,
1: let's read X's second two abilities. So
0: X's two abilities are for a blue and a black and tapping X, put X into target opponent's hand. So that's how you get X into someone's hand. It needs to be on the battlefield without summoning sickness, and it taps for the same casting cost and throws itself into someone's hand. For three, a blue and a black, you may play a card in the same hand as X without paying its mana cost. That's very powerful. So So, five mana get to play a card.
1: Yeah, and you get to play any card in their hand... um, it doesn't matter how much the casting cost of that card is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot like send triplets. Send triplets is send triplets better? It's worse. It gives you more access to their hand, as far as mm-hmm. like, but you have to cast those cards for their regular mana cost. Yeah. But at the same time, if they had like three things and they cost, they were low casting costs. Like if you had a sensei's divining top, I don't know why it'd still be in your hand. <laughs> if you had if you had a couple of artifacts, I could just cast them. Yeah. You know, or if I had the right mana, I could cast two or three things where you'd need a lot of mana to do that with X. But at the same time, X can cast your your you know, Your seven drop, eight drop, nine drop spell for five yeah. mana, which Cent triplets cannot do.
0: Yeah, I think X is better because it gives you a little more flexibility, but at the same time, Send Triplets does give you more colors, so but being having having to be able to make mana of other colors is definitely one of the big downsides of a triplets deck.
1: Yeah, although because they changed the rule number four recently, or not recently, a while ago now. It gets um, a little easier. It gets a little easier. But, but you yeah. can't do it with your lands, which I is mean, a bummer. I mean, X is a two-drop, where a triplets is way more expensive, yeah. so you can just get X online and active a lot earlier. By turn three, yeah. easily. Plus, that person is playing with their hand revealed, not just you, to the entire table.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of politics here, right, where it's like, look, X is in his hand. Look at what that person has. I'm going to cast that Wrath of God now, Mm -hmm. which is, by the way, great, because X is still in there. (laughs) It won't get removed. Yeah, that's a really good point. But you can be like, hey, do you need something to get Path to Exile? That 100% will do that for you. Or like, oh, look, let me put this on the battlefield because obviously it's going to hurt this person that's way on the front. There's a lot of different ways you could play it. I think the first card that came to mind for me was
1: Rings of Brighthearth, which is going to allow you to copy... X's ability when you Mm -hmm. resolve it and play two spells for five mana. Uh, Although rings cost some mana. So it's seven mana total, I guess. But that ramps it up to such a degree where like two spells out of somebody's hand for seven mana, like any two spells. That's absurd. Yeah, that changes it into like Pretty, pretty, ex- I mean, pretty
0: explosive. The big thing about X is that because you can get them into someone's hand by turn three, then that person has no way that they can unload the rest of their hand. So they're probably holding the seven or eight drops if they happen to if they happen to have them or draw them. And also you get to be very strategic with who you choose. Like if someone's playing Aractos, Lord of Riots deck, X is flopping into that hand faster than, well, it's as fast as possible. <laughs> the only difference is that, you know, you want to be careful. Someone may be able to discard X or whatever, but in general... I think you should always be stealing stuff with this deck and I would make that the theme of the deck. So Even would, discarding things is not that bad because that's a zone change and yeah, you can move it back X to back. your command zone and it's a two
1: drop so X still doesn't cost that much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, X seems pretty powerful
0: and annoying to play against, right? If you're the player yeah. picked like all of a sudden. Um, well, you really don't want to be the player picked because normally cards like the one you brought up shows everyone's hand and everyone yeah. can see everything but if just one player's hand is revealed that that is really bad for that player and really good for everyone else. I'd say the card that most people talked about in sort of concert with
1: X is a card called Telepathy. And it's one blue mana for an enchantment. And it just says, your opponents play with their hands revealed. So your, your information is still hidden, but all your opponents have their hands revealed. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a card Craig has played a few times. And it really does screw up the game in a weird, weird way because when all information's known, it's really hard it's it can be tough to politic. Everybody knows what you could do, what yeah. you can do. They're going to see every card you draw. You don't have anything that they but there's one player sitting there and they nobody knows what they have and right. it's you. Which is you, yeah. Yeah, and it also I mean obviously this is good because it allows you to play it on turn 1 and then you know what hand to put X into.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a big thing is finding the best target for X. There's also Xur's Weirding. I know mm-hmm. you like this card a lot. Um, <laughs> it is players play with their hand revealed, and if a player would draw a card, he or she reveals it instead, then any other player may pay two life. If a player does, put that card into its owner's graveyard. Otherwise, that player draws a card. So it's interesting because it actually it's a little bit against X because if someone's like, oh, I don't want you to have this card in their hand, but it also just takes that card away from someone that otherwise would have it so it's a little bit of control and you still get to choose someone with x i mean you can really you can really
1: mess up one player that way too by just denying them cards and then casting their cards for yourself and all of a sudden <laughs> they're getting eaten from, from sort of both ends right yeah like you're not drawing anything new but he's also using my cards and now all of a sudden i just only yeah that could be pretty tough pretty um, brutal yeah uh training grounds a, a card we've been talking about more and more often that mm-hmm. this was one that came to mind it reduces the activated abilities by two it cannot reduce it below one but this would make x only cost one a blue and a black and all of a sudden you could be casting two three spells out of people's hands right i mean when you're casting three spells out of someone's hands think about that you're removing cards from their hand. they're literally losing the cards and you're gaining the card so it's like a two for one every time you do it mm-hmm. right it's almost like you cast a card that also said, and your opponent discards a card, right? I mean, it is exactly that. <laughs> so it's super, super powerful to have to just be able to do that you know a couple of times because you can really shut somebody out of the game. I mean, if you have seven cards, I activate X three times, you have four cards,
0: yeah, and they're all on your side of the battlefield. you're just your hands decimated. yeah, your I just took your, your best, best cards, three cards yeah, and I got them, so it's just yeah, that's very powerful. Uh, yeah, normally we say, like, things that only target one person are not that strong, but in this case, because you're gaining a card from it whenever you cast it with X, it's pretty good. Um, I would play a card like Fairy Artisans in this deck, mm. which is from the new Commander set. It's three in the blue for a two-two. It says, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types, and then you exile all other tokens created with Fairy Artisans. So it's like a little clone machine. It sits there, and it's like, oh, you're going to cast something? Great. Well, I'm going to make a copy of it, a little token copy. If you have X in someone's hand, you get to really choose what that becomes.
1: Uh, Here's an interesting card that I never thought I would want to play in in Commander. This was suggested by Justin Walker at Ninjustin79. Ninjustin. What a great Twitter name, Ninjustin. It's called Head Games. It's three black black, and it's a sorcery. It says target opponent puts the cards from his or her hand on top of his or her library. Then you search that player's library for that many cards. The player puts those cards into his or her hand, then shuffles his or her library. Wow. This, I mean, obviously this can be used to like mess up one player, just mm-hmm. give them all lands or something. But what you can do is do this before you put X in their hand, put awesome cards in there yeah, that you know you want to activate X with. It's sort of like tutoring a perfect hand for yourself. For yourself,
0: yeah, boy, that's gonna really paint this target on your back. Actually, You're
1: gonna need a lot of mana to do it. You might even be able to make the deal with somebody though. Like, hey, listen, oh, I'm right. gonna do this, but after I do it, I can only activate X one time. Yeah. You. Which, what else do you want? in what your What do you want in your hand for when your turn comes around? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, rather than being your enemy, I'm being awesome to you because I'm tutoring something. Yeah.
0: Wouldn't. You. You, yeah. You like you take a look at their hand and go, Ooh, I'm so sorry. How about a new one? Yeah. <laughs> you just have to make sure that you don't put X into their hand before, before this you happens. Cast yeah. It. yeah. Wait. That won't work. Why isn't this card played more? in EDH. It's kind of it just great. messes up one player. Yeah, but if it's like a it's like a great combo stopper, I feel like. Yeah, that's a good point. Or if someone's like always sandbagging like me. Maybe it See, I think
1: it's just too expensive for like competitive EDH and it's just too mean for not competitive that's EDH. A good point. So it's yeah. probably it's, it's that, just in a weird in between area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what else you got?
0: Um I also have bribery. Uh oh, yeah. I think anything that can steal cards, uh if you're going to start doing it, you may as well just do it everywhere. You like, Just make it the theme of your deck. <laughs> Um, there's also Glasses of Urza, which is not a cheap card, unfortunately. But it, it's a little bit better in terms of the... Actually, no. Glasses of Urza is very cheap. What am I talking about?
1: Yeah. As far as like the casting cost or the money?
0: Both. Both, yeah. Both, yeah, yeah. Because you can cast it for one and you just pay one, you just tap it to look at target player's hand. So it's a little bit better if telepathy is something that your playgroup hates. I would run something like the Glasses it, of Urza It might instead. be effect
1: you want more than one of anyway. So I can look at your hand mm-hmm. then look at the next person's hand, know where I'm going to want to put X. Yeah. And it's like, well, I didn't drop telepathy... I have now two chances to draw something like it with Glasses of Urza. Yeah, it's super um,
0: cheap to use.
1: Yeah. it's
0: And you have some <laughs> hidden information. That's another
1: Craig card I've had him play It's me before. You're like, you yeah. to wait, what? Okay, well, you're fine, okay, you can here. look. Yeah. You
0: put a, you're using the card for that? All right, it cool, actually
1: right. annoys me because I can't, like, it's way harder for me to be like, I don't have a removal spell cause Yeah, Craig will be yeah, like, yeah, 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 he does, yeah. I saw it. <laughs> Dang it. Um, DJ at Jumbo Commander, which is another YouTube channel we've talked DJ. about a few times. You should check them out if you haven't already. He uh, suggested... Memory Lapse and Remand. So one's a counterspell that puts the card uh, back into their hand, and Remand is a bounce spell that puts it back into their hand. Bounce spells seem really good with X, right? Because it's like, oh, you cast the thing that I want to cast. I'll bounce it back to your hand and now cast it myself. So I would think even, like, unsummons and things would be pretty strong in the deck. Uh, I would even think about, like, Boomerangs and stuff like that. Um,
0: Oh, Boomerang? Yeah. I guess you could play, you know... um what well, the buyback cap size as well Cap size, yeah. capsize just great in general because i think you want to definitely pump out as much mana as you can in blue and black that way when i use. put
1: x into your hand because you're if i put x into your hand your first thing is i better cast my best thing before he activates right, it, right?
0: and cut or come at you with everything i have
1: yeah but if i'm gonna be like well i'm gonna unsummon the thing you cast for one mana and then i'm gonna use x's ability to cast it myself so it doesn't even matter what you cast i'm still gonna get your best thing because i'll just bounce it back to your hand if not yeah so true. i thought that was pretty smart um Richard Coughlin, who is at an on rec, I don't know, A-N-R-A-Q-E, suggested Master of the Feast. It's one black black for a 5-5 five five with flying. So, you know, three mana, 5-5 five five flyer, there's going to be a downside. In this case, I think you can make it into an upside. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, <laughs> each opponent draws a card. So, normally that's bad. Right. I don't want my opponents drawing cards that I'm not. But if I have X in somebody's hand, then I'm kind of drawing cards too, so...
0: Not so bad. I might as well have a 5 by flyer. Yeah, it's like a the the opponent feels good about it, but they also don't like it as much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever the
1: best card is they draw, you're just going to use it. But yeah. they get the second best one. It's maybe. better.
0: It's better with telepathy. I think the big thing is the speed at which you can get X into someone's hand. Because if you want to cast X out of their hand, you have to play. You have to play for blue and the black. If it doesn't have haste, you have to wait a turn to put it in someone else's hand. So. But that's still turn three. It's going into somebody's hand. Turn three for sure. I'm talking about if it's in someone's hand and you've emptied them out. Like oh, it takes right, right. you a little bit of time. That's to why get I it. think
1: you want Masters of the Feast and stuff because it's kind of hard to move it around once it's in somebody's hand. So yeah. you want cards that are like I want to make sure that person either doesn't run dry. Yeah. Or I'm killing them first so that I can get X back in my command zone. And yeah. Then...
0: I was gonna say actually, you probably there's probably only one person you really want in it to be in their hand, and when you're playing X, the yeah. other two players or three players like they may not fit your game plan as much. This
1: is interesting. I'm, I'm under. Now, I could be wrong about this. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh God, here we're gonna get into some rules stuff. So, if I'm wrong, that's fine. Um, (laughs) No, it's not. Because I'm not. I'm under the assumption you can't activate X's first ability from somebody's hand because you can't tap him because he's in somebody's hand, right? Yes,
0: you cannot do that. You can only do it if it's relevant to being on the battlefield. So you can't do his first ability in someone's hand.
1: So once he's in your hand, let's say, Mm -hmm. I have difficulty getting him out of your hand. I'm sort of stuck with you. So that might mean in my deck, I need to play some Thought Seizes. (laughs) You you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can cast
0: X from their hand. It's just going to take you a turn.
1: Oh, it costs five mana to cast him from their hand?
0: No, I think you can actually play... Hold on. We'll have to go through this again because X X has so much text on it. Okay. As long as it's... As long as X is in X's owner's opponent's hand, X's owner may cast X and oh. activate X's abilities. Okay,
1: so you can always cast it down, right. and then you still love Summoning Sickness. You still have to wait to Okay, you need Thousand Year Elixir hand. for sure. For sure. Well, so that it gives haste to X's ability, so that when you do that, you can immediately activate it. Because, man, you don't want X sitting there vulnerable. People are going to definitely destroy it if they can. Although he's a two drop, so it's only going to cost four.
0: Well, that's the thing is, do you actually get him, because it is... Oh, you, you don't control the creature, though, do you? When you cast it again, do you? Yeah, you cast it.
1: It says you're casting it, so it goes onto your side oh, it of the battlefield. goes battle onto your side of the battlefield? Okay, yeah, all, all that right. stuff is yours.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, you do want haste graners like that in that case. But
1: blue and black, it's hard to get a lot of haste, right, so, right. you know, Thousand Year Elixir is a really good one. Yep, um, Illusionist Bracers in. was another one I thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, although that doesn't really work because you can't be equipped... With that in somebody's hand, never mind.
0: Illusion <laughs> bracer is bad. It's- bad. Yeah, bad. You put X into multiple people's hands. Uh. Yeah, that doesn't that won't work? Um, here's so- the thing, though. Could you? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's a way to instant speed copy X and then put it into someone's hand.
1: The problem is the copy once it goes into the hand wouldn't be like oh, I thought true. of Sakashima, right? Because right. Sakashima is a good way. But the problem is once you put Sakashima in
0: somebody's hand, it just it's becomes just Sakashima. Sakashima. So they just have a Sakashima now. <laughs> that's not <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you want. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I was thinking you could definitely have a legendary X on the battlefield before having it somewhere else. You know, right? You but have two X doesn't do anything by, yeah, by on itself on the battlefield. It's the so nice two two work. for two.
1: I think this deck seems to want to be controly in general, right? So yeah. you're going to want to rely on your opponents for the win conditions, and your deck is mostly just ramp and control stuff. Mm-hmm. Because your card draw is X. It's drawing cards just out of other people's hands. So really, I think that's all you want, just every piece of ramp you can find and then stuff that's going to counter anything yeah. that's problematic to you.
0: Yeah, being able to control the situation is going to be the best after you have X out because everyone's for sure going to want to come at you. And They don't want you
1: stealing cards out of their
0: hand. Yeah, well, exactly. Also, not just that, but if you take the best cards that are not in your color pie, and people are like, oh, this is bad. We need to stop this immediately, then X is truly going to give it to you. It's what I've
1: noticed when playing against Send Triplets in general, and Craig recently put together a Send Triplets deck, and I feel bad, but my automatic inclination, and everyone else is at the table, is to go after the Send Triplets deck, right? because they at any moment could just look towards you and be like, I'm just playing a bunch of stuff out of your hand. You won't have those cards anymore. And that threat isn't necessarily the most powerful threat at the table, but it's the least fun. So you always are like, yeah. nope, I don't want that to happen, in which case I'm going at that person. So I think X would have that kind of response from the table. Yeah. Um, all right. All right. Let's move on to the Monster Masher. That's what we should have sang.
0: Monster Mash? Yeah. yeah. the monster, monster Mash. The monster, monster Mash. All right.
1: So we sort of sang it, so I'm happy now.
0: It is Grisilda. Uh, gross name. Monster Masher. And this card is pretty, pretty interesting actually as well. I got
1: this in a, in a draft, and it was unbelievable. Did you good. use it? Oh yeah, it was oh my unbeatable. Wait, with your Urza deck? Uh, no, it was a different deck. We actually drafted twice. Oh
0: my goodness, that's amazing. Because I'm sure. That, okay, so it's a it's a three black and a red, legendary creature zombie villain. It's a four four. Combined enchanted and equipped creatures you control have menace. So a combined card would be an, and unstable, an augment and a host. Augment card. and a host. Or.
1: <laughs> This will also count as combined when she does her thing.
0: Yeah. And enchanted as well. So, enchantment auras, yeah. equipped. So, if you have any set of equipment on, it gives them menace. So, that's just an interesting sided add bonus. Now, Well, we're... they're
1: two creatures, kind of. So, they get. Right. Oh, I mean, combined with. Oh, that art. makes so sense. So, you need two things to block it, I guess. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for three black and a red, her casting costs, you tap Griselda to put two creature cards from graveyards onto the battlefield combined into one creature under your control. So this new monster mash of a creature, its power is equal to the total power, its toughness is equal to the total toughness, and it has their names, mana cost types, text boxes, etc.
1: It has everything combined. You get the enter the battlefields effects because right. they're coming from graveyards onto the battlefield. It says from graveyards. Yeah. That's from any graveyard. So I can take, I can be like, oh, you have an Oracle of Moldiah over there and I have an Eternal Witness. I'm going to put them together. That's going to make a 4-3 and when it enters the battlefield I get to get something out of my graveyard and it will do what Oracle of does yeah. which is, you know, reveal the top carry library, play an extra land, all that stuff. It's incredibly powerful because it also doesn't have the text when it dies you exile those things. yeah they
0: just go right back to the graveyard so you can keep doing it
1: so you just go oh they died i'll do it again then yeah because they're still in the graveyard a true
0: monster mash
1: <laughs> it's pretty crazy um it does
0: cost a lot five man to do yeah. but at the you same tap time Grisilda. i mean look my turn four you can be cast in damnation yeah by turn five you're casting Griselda. by turn six hey you're just off to the races it's like living death but you get to choose and the creatures become one
1: it's pretty crazy, and the amount of combinations you could have out of um, control. Out of control. So a lot of people mentioned that necrotic ooze combos just generally work with Grisilda. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamilton Gen- Gensheimer at HammySandWizard on Twitter suggested Tree of Perdition and Cinderhaze <laughs> Wretch. Uh, this is a necrotic ooze combo, and Cinderhaze lets you untap the creature by putting a one counter on it. So you, with Tree of Perdition, you just kind of whittle people down. Right. Um, it's Okay, I'm not going to talk about a bunch of Necrotic Ooze combos because those are sort of established. And that's a a reason that I think Grisilda might be a good deck to build right now because you can find all that
0: information. Yeah, there's a and there was a ton out there when I looked at Necrotic Ooze combos. There are many, many ways to go infinite. The big thing is, though, Grisilda chooses anyone's graveyard. So it makes your board wipes that much better it makes your discard that much better and it's black and red i played in the heb the worthy deck which is all about making everyone discard cards and it was very effective if i could have griselda in that deck and said holy moly then you're actually yeah. using their graveyards as fuel so you want to i think
1: yeah mass discard
0: mass discard yeah, yeah and mass again mill
1: will work you're in black this is
0: very powerful <laughs> people are going to already be targeting you as soon as you make your first monster mash um I think you you play the Wheel of Fortunes in here, your Reforge of the Souls, because you want to yep. get rid of your own hand as well. You
1: just want to fill graveyards,
0: get more cards. I think also you
1: want the Buried Lives and the Entomb, so those mm-hmm. allow you to search your own library and put things specifically into the graveyard, um, because you can put creatures in there, obviously, that you can use to mash together with other creatures.
0: One card I liked was Heretic's Punishment. It's four and a red for an enchantment. And for three and a red, you choose target creature or player, then put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Heretic's Punishment deals damage to that creature or player equal to the highest converted mana cost among those cards. So it functions as removal to get another card into the graveyard, potentially, and it also gets your cards into the graveyard. So I like it. if you have a card that you want to get rid of, hopefully you know you play something like a scroll rack. Um, you can definitely manipulate the top of your deck a little bit, nail a creature, put it in the graveyard, and then Grisilla comes out and makes it into something else. That's pretty sweet.
1: Uh, one I had that somebody on Twitter suggested, a lot of people did, but the first one I saw was Jeff Marshall at JRM5778. Oh, this is a good one. Was Phage the Untouchable and Platinum Angel. So Phage is kind of a famous creature that if you don't cast Phage from your hand, you lose the game if it enters the battlefield under your control. But if Phage touches anybody, commit combat damage to anybody, they immediately lose the game, right? Yeah. So there's Phage decks out there where people like... They have like um, torpor orbs and things so that they can play Phage without because yeah, it's or coming from your out. command zone that actually isn't from your hand, so right. it will normally kill you. So you have to come up. Um, Phage is very powerful if you can get Phage onto the battlefield somehow because her casting cost is pretty, it's pretty oppressive. Three it's,
0: black, 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 seven yeah. mana total, and
1: four specifically black. Yeah. So people were saying if you come if you monster mash that together with Platinum Angel, which is a a four four flyer. That costs seven, but it says you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. So if you mash it with phage, all of a sudden the phage enter the battlefield, you you know you lose if you didn't cast it from your hand thing, gets countered, countered. by <laughs> Platinum Angel's text, and now it's got flying. It's an 8-8. Eight eight. And it's an 8-8, eight eight, and so when I swing at somebody, if they can't block it, they just die.
0: Yeah, the damage doesn't even matter at that point. But yeah. whenever phage deals combat damage to a creature, it also just destroys a creature. Yeah. So it has like old school death touch.
1: Yeah. Um, and this, I think this is going to be a deck because, like you said, you're going to want wheel effects, self-mill, dredge, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to run anger. You're going to run some haste enablers. I oh, believe yeah. this deck wants a lot of just generally useful things on creatures just so that if at any moment you're like, oh, I see an opportunity and what I need is I need a lot of damage and I need haste. Right. Oh, well, I'm going to grab this from there and I'm yeah. going to grab a haste creature. Oh, in this case, I need to, you know... I need something that gives me life, so I'm going to grab something with lifelink and something blah, blah, blah. Wow, I didn't think
0: about it. The utility is huge. Yeah. Did that happen in limited a lot for you? Well, limited,
1: I was just taking whatever because (laughs) it didn't matter, right? I was just like, oh, I'll put these two things together. Well, it gives menace, right? Mm -hmm. So in limited, if you have a death toucher and something, you put them together. The biggest thing you can find with the death toucher, now you attack. If they don't block... They take a ton of damage. If they do block, they have to block with two creatures. They lose them both. Then you Grisilda again back together. Right, because you get more
0: creatures off it. Wow, that spirals out of control. It's ridiculous. Um, Another combo that I saw was Skitherix, which is one of Craig's favorite cards. It's a 4-4 flying infect creature, and then you can uh, regenerate or give it haste. But then you just combine it with something like uh, Scourge of the Throne. Boom. It's a dragon that will dethrone and immediately kill someone <laughs> and, <laughs> and
1: get another combat. And yeah, kill and then somebody kill else. them. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it does five infect, and then you get the combat, so you can swing at them again because it's going to be do, a five five.
1: No, wouldn't it do ten because you? Oh, you're right. You're you combine combine it with Skithrix, <laughs> right? Even attack. better. Yeah, you <laughs> put any? the one one counter on it because it got dethroned. It's now ten. Kill somebody. Untap. And extra combat steps. Yeah, kill somebody else. I keep
0: forgetting about the combined power <laughs> yeah. and toughness. I'm just like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to attack with this card twice? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, it would. Kill two people. Yeah. Goblin Sharpshooter and Death
1: Touch creature. Death Touch creature is pretty good mm-hmm. um, because unlike Necrotic Ooze, Necrotic Ooze only gets the activated abilities of two things. But because Griselda gets the text box, now you get the tap ability from Goblin Sharpshooter and Death Touch, which isn't something Necrotic Ooze would normally get off something. Right. And now I can just mow down the entire. Sorry, Goblin Sharpshooter is a Tim. It it deals one damage to a target creature or player. But but every time a creature dies it untaps so if he has death touch you just kill everything on the board you just yeah just
0: yeah, ping da, that it dies untap ping the
1: other thing it dies, untap
0: yeah. yeah um there's karen wanderer which is a card from Lorwyn. it's four in the black for a four four it's a changeling but it also says as long as a creature card with flying is in the graveyard karen wanderer has flying the same is true for fear first strike double strike death touch haste land walk life link protection reach trample shroud and vigilance oh
1: yeah so, so you just get everything from everything
0: the- it's just a big monster that's awesome, because you combine that with
1: basically anything. Anything, yeah. And, you have and a anything four, gets four. everything, basically. Yeah. Ooh, that's sweet. I also think like you're just going to have, like, oh, you've got this in your graveyard. I'm just going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think this could be a really fun deck, because on the fly you can come up with a bunch of stuff. Um, one other one that I had. Yeah, that's end. really
0: exciting. Just like in the game, like, hey, everyone, just can you put your graveyards closer to me so I can just always be looking through them or put your creatures on top, please?
1: Yeah, you're just, you're MacGyvering it together. It's like, oh, I really wish I had, you know, I could blah, blah, yeah. blah. Oh, I'll, I'll put these two together and that'll solve my problem. Um, the oh, last one I'm going to talk about is uh, Sire of
0: Insanity. Insanity. I believe Gavin Verhey designed this card. Oh, did he? Yeah.
1: He is just, hey, thank you. So it is four a red and a black for a six four creature demon. Again, doesn't matter as much because of Grisilda. You're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna probably combine it. It says at the beginning of each end step, each player discards his or her hand. Woo! If you have Grisilda active and you play Sire of Insanity, and everybody discards their hand, and now I have access to all of your graveyards. Yeah, but you guys don't have anything in your hands, and hey, neither do I. But not the worst. Not the worst. I feel I'd be feeling in a pretty good position.
0: Yeah, the, be- the fact that everyone has to discard their hand and most decks don't have ways to interact with it, I feel like very few decks have reanimate effects in them unless they're trying to specifically do that.
1: And certainly they don't probably have them like not in their hands, right? Right. Like most of your reanimation effects are going to be things that you're going to need to cast. So yeah. unless you have unburial burial rites or something.
0: Yeah, there's... Even then um, you're going
1: to get one creature back. Like what? That's not going to be that great.
0: That's true. I mean, here's the thing. You can really mess with graveyard shenanigans in this deck. Uh, Body Snatcher, it's a two black, black, two, two. When it enters the battlefield, exile it unless you discard a creature card. Hey. And when Body <laughs> Snatcher dies, exile Body Snatcher and return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you're getting oh, tons of value, tons of value just, yeah. yeah. And just, you can the, you can recycle the Body Snatcher by always bringing it back. You have stuff well, it like it's
1: exiled when it dies. Oh right, right, right. So the right. first, but still,
0: but still, and you have cards like Corpse Connoisseur, which is oh, yeah. you know being able to find Kinda a card, entombs. Entombing, yeah, yeah. So you want those kinds of effects for sure. And then also because Griselda says enchantment, enchanted creatures get menace. That gives you a lot of reason to play Animate Dead. Necromancy, Diabolic Servitude, all these enchantments that get a card out of your graveyard onto the battlefield. So even if Grisilda's not, you know, you don't have enough man to use Grisilda, you can still use effects like this to get the menace part of it and, you know, just bring cards back with Enchantment yeah, or Enchantment Auras get a little bit of Tiny Upside in this deck.
1: A uh, Thousand Year Lecture, another one that might be want to be in this deck.
0: You always want to use that card. That card's just, it's just good.
1: It's, it's just a really good, good card, as it turns out. Did um, you,
0: I didn't realize this, but Scourge of the Throne is now not a cheap card anymore. Oh, no, it's expensive Yeah, it got up there. Yeah. Well, Well, because it turns out it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of ends games, honestly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's as deep as we're going to go on any of these new legends. Um, It's time for two of the listeners. What cool ideas, cards, or synergies do you have for these three uh, commanders that we didn't mention that you thought of? Mm It will be nice for you to put them in the comments specifically on YouTube because I think, like I said, there's not a great – resource at the moment to sort of everybody yeah. pool their ideas for i mean unless somebody's just making their own reddit post or something but this could be a good place for people to look for ideas yeah at least for the next few weeks
0: also tweeting at us we'll be having conversations jf wong josh lee kwai command cast all that good stuff
1: i also wanted to ask how does everybody feel about because we didn't ask this before right how do you feel about the fact that silver border cards are legal in commander until january 15th um do you like it do you not like it
0: have you even played with it yet that's what i want to know i mean i know some people are saying how much has
1: it actually affected you
0: yeah because i could see it being like oh it was fun and it was wacky and then we just played regular commander or i could see people going you know what this was actually a really fun and good addition but i don't honestly see it being the case
1: i mean how how do you feel about it so far
0: uh so far i haven't i mean all i've done is kind of brew some decks randomly and been like hey this would be fun to do I don't know if it would fly. I don't know if I want to spend money on a deck and build a deck and use my sleeves and do all that process. Because building that's, a deck... It can take a, lo- a couple take of work.
1: days, really. I mean, yeah. we, build, we build decks for game nights, and I, I'm always surprised. I'm like, man, that's like a full day's work to build and assemble the deck, find the yeah. cards, you know, whittle it down, then actually go and order the ones I don't have mm-hmm. and all that stuff, like you said. Yeah, and do it's I want to do intense. that if on January 16th, all of a sudden, okay, well, I'm not allowed to play that deck anymore. I will say, like... Not to start a grassroots movement, but I I would generally be in favor of the statement from the the rules committee or somebody that just said, yep, legendary creature from unstable, all legal as your commander and commander except spike. <laughs> if they just made that statement, it's, it's simple. It's one sentence. Mm-hmm. They can sort of add it to the bottom of the ban list. And I think that would be fine. And I think it would actually be ultimately good for the format. There are some, There
0: is some cool stuff here. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not a competitive format. It's not supposed to be. If you want to play competitive VDH, there are ways to do it. And trust me, these cards are not legal in that format. But I I mean,
1: competitive EDH and, and Laboratory Maniacs or other people that are into competitive CEDH, as they call it, I'd love to hear from you guys. I don't think that there's a legendary creature outside of Spike
0: that's a big deal
1: that would be tier one it yeah. doesn't appear at least obviously to me that any of the other ones would be in competition with the Zers and the, mm-hmm. and all the rest of them yeah
0: i guess that's the thing too i mean out of the silver bordered commanders that are legal none of them really break the game that hard outside of spike again yeah so we'll see interesting question
1: uh yeah anxious to hear what everybody thinks okay. if you do want to order any of these cards and build these decks I'll tell you what, if you ever run into a set of GP and you pull out like a Grisilda deck and you're like, I'd like to play my... I'll be like, yep, 100%. percent yeah. yeah. I you mean, did. as long as that's the only silver-border card, I'm not in for the all silver-border cards are all... You are allowed old.
0: to have Ashnod's coupon in your deck. <laughs> which no, is, I
1: don't want to have to go get anybody a
0: drink. Well, that's then you, you have to listen to what they tell you to do.
1: No, that card's annoying
0: yeah you just had a really good
1: experience using it
0: yeah it's true but use it against you you'd be like no screw that card well that's the thing is like how hard could you leverage someone getting you a drink (laughs) turns out you can leverage it quite a bit no one wants to get up and get you a drink (laughs) um well if you want to order
1: any of these legendary creatures or astronaut's coupon if you want to try it out in your (laughs) playgroup go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you use that affiliate link again you'll be supporting game nights and all of our content and helping it to keep flow maybe cheaty faces will be okay I think there's a lot of silverboard cards that would be okay, honestly. But the problem is, there's just you'd have to list them individually, and that's yeah. just too much
0: of an uh, of an. It's a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know how you make a separate. You'd have to make a separate, specific. And then people would be like, like, "Wait a minute, is then is you that later?" Check it every know. time. No, yeah. just
1: all the unstable legendary creatures except for Spike and they have to be your commander and that's yeah.
0: it I mean you can go a little further back I think they had some specific bans by other legendary creatures but there aren't that many actually
1: yeah that's why just so. don't even unglued on his there's not enough of those cards and they weren't really they're I don't already think were planning for it either yeah. some of them are like Johnny I think is banned. it's just so. not worth the upheaval I think to, to yeah. sort of go that deep
0: so make sure you go to cardking.com slash command zone if you want to buy any of those cards support the show also you can support the show by buying ultra pro products it's as easy as that they have tons of stuff obviously for iconic matters you can get an Earl of Squirrel playmat pretty sweet you can get all sorts of unhinged stuff as well as just regular unstable unstable sorry you can get all sorts of unstable stuff as <laughs> well as rest as well as stuff from hour of devastation amoket ixalan, uh you know rivals of Exelon. rivals coming up. of ixalan coming up so yeah. tons of product as always and if you buy the wayne england playmat or deck box or sleeves with his original art for very cryptic command all of the proceeds go towards the foundation that his family chose the british heart foundation rest in peace wayne england thank you ultra pro for being awesome and always setting the standard in the industry all right, now it's time
1: for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I have something. Oh, good. Um, I can't say my thing yet. <laughs> yeah, your thing we got to hold for a little while, but it is, it's is—it's awesome. Okay, teased enough. Um, I, I finished a book recently. It is by Brandon Sanderson, who we've talked about on the show before, who's cool. a, also a big magic player. It's called Oathbringer. It's the third oh, in yeah. a series. And I just finished it, uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So if you haven't read the Way of Kings series... Um, how big is the book it's pretty big i don't know i read books digitally now so i have no idea (laughs) yeah you used to be able to gauge by the thickness yeah it took took a couple of weeks so it's pretty big oh wow Um, and i read fast so it's a it, it's a cool book. It's a fantasy novel. I do tend to like fantasy novels. Um, so I would recommend picking that up or at least the first book in the series. Gosh, what's it called? I forget
0: now. Brandon Sanderson, though, being a magic fan, probably has some magic stuff in there that you identify with, right? Or some some like similarities in different ways. He I'm definitely
1: sure. builds his magic systems. And by that, I mean the way that magic works in his universe in a way that's very much like a game designer. So it makes cool. sense the rules are um, consistent, you know, Sometimes you'll read a book and it just seems like the character can just kind of do whatever they feel like. There's not really any rules or checks and balances on their power, but not in in Brandon Sanderson's worlds. They're very clearly described. This is what they can do. This is how it works. And so when they get into situations and they have to use their abilities to sort of solve problems or do things, it feel it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. It doesn't right. feel like they cheated it. It's like, oh, they can do that. I know the rules of that. Or they can it Oh oh, they can't use that. We, we know because of the rules that he mm-hmm. set up. Um that's cool. One other thing I really liked and I wanted to throw out there is I'm pretty sure Brandon Sanderson is a fan of my favorite history podcast, Hardcore History. Hardcore there's history. a bunch of references in the book that I caught wait really I yeah mm-hmm. that I was like maybe he was
0: listening to it at the same time he was writing I it.
1: think he was there's a bunch there's a certain series in Hardcore History that's called The Wrath of the Khans and it's about Genghis Khan and the Mongols and he makes a bunch of there's probably seven or eight off the top of my head I can think of he even names one of the characters Jochi which is one of the names oh, of the wow. famous uh, Khan and there's a bunch of other references to specific things mentioned in Hardcore History so I did like that quite a bit
0: Brandon maybe you're also a fan of Game Nights we'd love, yeah, love to have you I'd love you to on. get
1: Brandon on Game Nights sometime that'd be sweet Yeah. He's probably busy on a book tour right now. Um, All right, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format All Things Competitive Magic. They just hit 4,000 followers on Twitter.
0: Hey, congrats, guys. Congrats, guys.
1: Always uh, excited to see them grow. So if you're not one of those 4,000 followers, definitely check them out. And where you can find them on Twitter, at the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.Company.
0: Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He puts all of the videos and the audio versions of the podcast together, which you can watch at YouTube.com slash The Command Zone Podcast. So the next time you want to listen to a podcast, but also watch it at the same time and see the cards pop up. And we talked about a lot of cards in this episode. Make sure you head on to over to our YouTube channel, subscribe, you hit the little bell, and it'll give you a notification when we also release new videos, which is mostly every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bing, Game Nights, Bing, and Game Nights once a month. Also, big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the animations, the 11 card animations on our videos. And a big thanks to Balam Nahara, who did the swamp animation behind us in You might studio. have seen
1: it uh, in the last episode of Game Nights. Yeah, as the well,
0: unstable, unhing- so. gosh, I keep saying unhinged, the yeah. unstable swamp. Still drawn by John Avon, but yeah, beautiful piece of art.
1: Put all the bugs on my side. I don't know why he did that. Thanks a lot, Balom. Yeah. No, awesome work. It's uh, great to have yeah, another like, person you got, like again. two
0: bugs popping up over there.
1: I evidently stink more than Jimmy does. Yeah,
0: that's just how it goes. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.